This evening's Dharma talk is titled Thought Number Two. And we're also in Snowshoe, Pennsylvania, where we're uh, halfway between uh, Sokogoji and New York, headed for New York to do some teaching there. So we're at a bed and breakfast here in Snowshoe. Bunyo and Chezan and Gokudo are also here with me. So I'll uh, talk a little bit about thought number two and uh, invite questions to come through um, from others if you have them. So the idea there with thought number two is not so much to encourage you or anyone to stop the thought process or interfere with it, but more to bring awareness to the thoughts as they arise and to see them and to see the way there seems to be something that you could call, as Trungpa Rinpoche referred to, this same situation, similar situation of uh, first thought, best thought. He was doing an evaluation. I'm not particularly interested in doing it that way, although that may be helpful to you, so I would leave it up to you. But uh, I would say that thought number two is like seeing that they, they tend to multiply. Uh, the first uh, impression, which I think which what... what uh, Rinpoche was referring to is, is actually not a thought. It's just a first reception of something. It feels like you could call it a thought, but it's actually just a, on the receiving end, whereas the second situation, or thought number two, actually is some kind of a of a um, interpretation of what just arose. Uh, evaluation, interpretation, condemnation, acceptance, uh, celebration, on and on. But it, what it does is it's extra, and it cuts into or overlays or um, clouds the immediacy of that first reception of whatever is occurring. So the idea is to watch the way they, they build up. If you can see that through awareness, uh, without meddling with it, without uh, moving it into you know, a whole uh, train of thoughts about this or that or the other thing, evaluating so on. So the idea of thought number two is see that see that second thought. We can call it second, but it's just something else that arises. Something happens, and then we add to it. We add something. We we think we. No, it's not that. It must be, or it couldn't be this. It must be, and we 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 actually abandon the very immediacy of that which is arising, which may be in your thought stream. Uh, it may be the thought stream that is appropriating or receiving the images or sounds, smells, taste, touch, whatever that's coming out of your uh, immediate environment. But um, keep it very simple. As I've said before, the, one of the terms in uh, the pr- production, uh, different uh, in the arts, is a minimalism kind of art that's very, very, not much, very simple, very minimalistic, less is better. And so, <clears throat> you may also have something, have the situation arise where nothing does get added. Uh, that, uh, if that starts to occur, what the self-centered mind does is get a credential from that. So you're adding in a different way. You're, you're actually thinking, oh, I'm not having a thought. I'm not having a second thought. I'm, I'm, I'm in open dimension. This is just uh, not true. Uh, to, and as you've heard me say many times, and this uh, I'm saying it again, 
and uh, questions are good around this uh, area. This is a difficult thing to use relative language, conversation, concepts, pointers, and to point to something that is, uh, to use another word, is ineffable. It doesn't have a front or back. It doesn't even have a credential. It has no, nothing in time and space that's there. And it is the nature of your consciousness, its fundamental nature. The word is Dharmata Buddha Nature, Tathagatagarbha. So that's that's uh, that's the case all the time, but it is covered over with clouds and smoke and ideas and opinions and hopes and fears and all the the eight worldly dharmas and the, the, the success and failure that the culture, not only the culture, but even in our in our uh, small sangha, uh, we're, we tend to buy into that. Something's getting better. Something's getting worse. And it's not that it isn't. So we're not trying to obliterate relative truth. We are endeavoring through this practice of the Buddha's Dharma or awakened truth to see what is fundamentally true so that when we do function in the relative world, that that is coming out of a, of a, uh, of a, uh, a clarity that is, to, that is total. There, there, when, when clarity is really total, there, there isn't anyone who's clear. There's nothing you're being clear about. The, the content situation has maybe, maybe gone away altogether. Uh, you just see what is without any kind of an understanding in a relative sense that would, uh, in maybe in past times, would have been supportive to your self-centeredness, your narcissism. A function of what's in Yogacara tradition is the seventh consciousness or the ego mind, the klesha mind. You know, self-love, self-reference, uh, self-pride, and self-whatever that other one is. Yogano. Is um, a second thought the beginning of uh, making up a story about something? Linearity? It, it can be, unless you see that it's arising. And if you see, it can. it's just fine if it arises. It's just that if you don't do anything with it, it, it there may be even three more. Maybe, but you're aware of it. But the awareness is not going anywhere. The awareness is not yet magnetized or seduced into following that thought pattern. So this is the area where it's a, uh, you know, the fancy word is. I don't know what the, uh, other than in English, I don't know what uh, the Sanskrit is. But discriminating or discriminating awareness, wisdom, it sees contrasts and differences, but it's a wisdom mind. So therefore, it doesn't join anything. Doesn't refute anything doesn't shut down or close it off anything. So it just notices the, the texture. It's like watching the branches in a tree move because of the wind. It's, it's that kind of uh, uh, appreciation. And you could say that kind of objectivity or that kind of uh, uh, dispassion where there's no... Uh, the, the appreciation is there, or re- or the reception of that is there, but there's no joining, no making an alliance, no, no forming an opinion or idea about that. And if we do do that, the process for those who are, who are strong meditators, eventually you'll notice that start to come in and then it'll stop. You'll, you might even notice it come in all the way and because you see it so clearly, it just keeps on going. So you kind of blank out. There's kind of a gap between uh, what you're seeing and what you're knowing and what you're understanding and what you're taking to the bank or what you're valuing as something or disvaluing is not important. Any kind of uh, adjustment. More. Yes. 
I just wondered if you didn't realize your second thought until you're already into the fourth or fifth thought is how would you see the first thought and is that well, important? Yeah, and that's why that's why it's called practice and that's why we spend time sitting down holding still and just watching what can, what shows up. So it's practice. There may you may get into the idea of one, two, three, third thought, fifth thought. But probably not. It's usually just that the extra the second situation that starts to arise. You you actually can feel yourself turn away turn away from something. You're turning away, and you're settling for some kind of um, very low low level uh, conclusion. But Jesus, our second, third, or continuing thoughts um, spontaneous. Yes. Yes, they're, they're, I mean, they, they could be, they could be spontaneous in the sense that they're just coming out of the causes and conditions, including your own neurosis, your own fear, which is dependently arisen. It could be coming out of that, but it's about, that's why the awareness is so important rather than trying to shut it down or change it or be somebody else, which just, it's not that you can't succeed at that, but it's circular and it can, it won't last. It's a temporary fix, so to speak. Go ahead. If something is spontaneous, can it still be an addition? It might show up that way initially. It could be spontaneous, and uh, you know, I mean that whole area. It's very uh, when 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 there's a lot of awareness in that area of that that kind of craziness or that kind of insanity. But there's a lot of awareness about that. One is beginning to actually, you could say, begin to understand more deeply the way we create our own issues and our problems. You might have to do that for a while. There might be. The momentum or the causes and conditions behind that might be such that no matter how much you're aware of it, you're still going to know that you're, uh, you know, you're confused or that you're having difficulty. It's the, it's the going in and trying to use relative truth to fix that, that that brings it back into the mundane realm and makes it maybe a temporary success. Anybody that sit down and do a mindfulness practice for any length of time is going to settle down quite a bit. It's not going to solve the fundamental issue, which is mistaken identity. Go ahead, please. If one has clarity around the mistaken identity, do the additional thoughts continue to arise? They could. Mayun has a question. Mm -hmm. She asks, you talked about minimalism in art. Yes. Is the second thought something you would encourage to observe in a painting practice? So I wouldn't, uh, painters, as, as a Mayun, uh, as you're a painter, I uh, wouldn't in interfere. I mean, you're asking me asking me about that, about this, but since I'm not there in that dynamic with you, uh, I, I hesitate to say too much uh, about that other than because the way it shows up for you, the way it shows up for 15 other people, people who are all painting pictures and working with visual space and arranging visual space, colors, shapes, contours and so on. Um, I think it's very important to, to emphasize the awareness part of that, the practice part of that, rather than uh, make some kind of adjustments or some kind of commentary, unless I misunderstood what your question was. Uh, Andrew from uh, the monastery has a question. He asks, how are thoughts patterns? How are thoughts patterns? 
<clears throat> well, I think there could be a, a kind of patterning that happens just when there when uh, the causes and conditions that are, arise and something happens and we add on based on our own misunderstanding. So we tend to sew a web of patterns that, and, uh, and, and repetition. We tend to repeat similar kinds of ways of shutting down, turning away, continuing to um, kick ourselves back into that loop, jump back on the merry-go-round, get back on the on the Ferris wheel or on that rotation, you know, success, failure. I'm getting there, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm doing really well, now I'm not doing so well. So there's a patterning there uh, that can show up that way that can be seen. And if the awareness gets strong, you might begin, you might, it's, to use a real literal metaphor, you might, it's almost like you raise above that and get kind of an aerial view of how you're functioning in your life. If you go in and try to repair something or fix, fix something, and to do that, you actually shut down the awareness that could actually see the proverbial big picture. So it's very necessary to see the pattern, the way we keep repeating and turning uh, into something, turning something over in the same way, structuring something in the same way, over and over again. This is one of the things that uh, it's, I think is just really interesting to me is how if you come in and do a practice that has a very specific way of doing it, whether it's a, a functioning as a doshi at the altar, whether it's a do, doing the doan practice, whether it's just a han and bell out in the, in the entry area for to call people, uh, um, the residents to practice uh, three times a day, the three periods of the day. Uh, certain kind of pattern that you're, you're, you're asked to do so many strikes on, on, the, on the wooden fish and so many strikes on the bell at different times. And, and then, uh, then the large uh, gong uh, and, and all of that, those things. And there's a certain way of it. But every time you do that, I'm sure you've noticed, every time you do that, there's something uh, different. It is something is slower in one area, faster in another. So there's a pattern there. Uh, but then our, we're endeavoring to hold, a, hold that in a certain pattern. And so that, that, the way we bring our awareness into that um, can uh, since we can't really repeat that exactly the same way something about the awareness relative to the form there the, uh, the the separation is increased in such a way that it sh that it allows our intelligence about the situation to to show up uh, especially if you're in, in a situation where nobody's requiring you to do it exactly a certain way so this is the form. Endeavor to follow the form best you can. And then the awareness practice is to notice how you can't quite do that. You can't quite imitate that exactly. Uh, Sokaren from the monastery in Battle Creek has a question. Yes. She asks, how do we work specifically with self-blame when discursive thoughts are abundant? So blaming, um, so the question is, how do we work with that? And I would say it's, as you've heard me say many times, is insofar as you can, just observe uh, that, but not so much the story, observe the story. I mean, if it's, if it's uh, imminent and it's repetitive and it's in your face and it's a story, then you're going to have to work with that. But if you can, look at that and look at the texture, the quality of that, the the. the if you can look at it in such a way that you can feel the intensity, maybe you can feel the negativity of it or feel the confusion of it, but you're not taking that into some kind of conclusion about, I'm really bad, I'm really screwed up, I've got to get better, 
or it's because of this and this and this is why I'm doing this. To actually make any kind of elaboration on it seems to cause more, more spinning, more, more thoughts being thrown out for this, that, and hooked together and destroyed and brought together and destroyed. So again, it's awareness. And I, I, I feel also the other practice I sometimes talk about is ASAP, alternating sense awareness. Sometimes I think if the mind is really wild that way, if you can go to the sense of touch, go to the sense of seeing or the sense of hearing, depending on however you would want to do that, or all three maybe, rotating around, and just don't do away with the, the discursiveness that is tumbling around uh, like a, a rock polisher. But, but something that is where you bring other awareness, other uh, the awareness of sense of touch is very stable. You just feel your butt on the cushion of the chair, hands in your lap or in this mudra. And the, the, the breathing might be a little faster, a little slow, but generally it's just has a kind of stability that is that is fundamentally relative. And uh, I'm not saying attached to it as an anchor particularly, but if you include that, you include uh, random sounds outside of the building you're in or wherever you're at, or include uh, the colors and shapes of that which is in front of you. At the same time, bring that in with the, the you're receiving that. So receive that at the same time, you're receiving the thought patterns that you are you are laying a judgment on that they're confusing or that they're difficult or they're or, or that bring up the question of how do I work with that? Saying so allow that to do let let that be uh, the word in uh, uh, Tibetan is a uh, um, wrong John was self-liberated. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just that, and it's just it free. It, it, it comes out of relative truth, but seeing what it is, it's, it's free. It's difficult to explain that. Uh, I, I don't know if I can say anything. I might be able to say more if you ask more. Shoto at the monastery in Battle Creek has a question. Yes. Yes, if we see we're on the merry-go-round, should we not fuel what's causing that spinning if it's something in our relative control? Well, I'd have to get an idea of what, what you're referring to, but... Less is better. Just don't do it. Don't... don't. Try to try to receive and try to see what's coming. You're at you're in a monastery. You already have a really strong form. You have a schedule. You have a form. You have a teacher. You have a sangha. You have, you have the work that you're doing, uh, study, and you have work that you do to generate uh, uh, livelihood to pay tuition and pay for what you need. Then I would say don't anything else that shows up. Just don't do too much with it. I mean, ask the question, of course, but then my response is. Probably less is better. So uh, it's that uh, thought number two. You know, it comes to thought number three. And the, thought, and the, the feeling of, of that we can figure this out if we can just get get the right connection or the right understanding or have the right response from me or the respite, or the correct uh, paragraph you read in the, um, in the Lanka or something like that. That you can somehow figure this or. So we're looking for some kind of solution or some kind of, all of us do that. We all look for something else that will fix what this is or change what this is or change our dynamic. And I would say, just let it feel like it feels. Just let it, just go into the texture of how it feels. 
Junshu from the monastery has a question. Yes. It's two parts. Um, does Good. does seeing a second thought mean seeing its content? Can it show up as a subtle feeling that we are thinking thoughts that we aren't even really aware of? Yes. Got it. That's it. And uh, here's the important part of this. Just keep doing that. There's nothing to adjust, nothing, nothing to correct. If you never see me again, just keep doing that. Keep looking at what moves. Watch what changes, and watch that nothing ever repeats itself. So yes, just keep doing that. You, 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 won't, uh, you won't find a reference point. If you find one, it'll, it'll disappear, it'll, van it'll vanish, it'll turn into a snake. You don't need a reference point. And ego needs a reference point to keep it, keep its, its, uh, its credential going. I'm somebody, and I'm having, I'm a Buddhist, and I'm, I have a path, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. But to transcend this, uh, there isn't anyone left. But as Trungpa Rinpoche said, you just walk on ego like it's a shoe. You just wear it out. You don't fix it. You know, resole it, reheal it. And you just walk on it. Yes, sir. I was wondering if you could say something about, in regard to that analogy, spontaneous and gradual realization. And in particular, I feel like at one point you had mentioned that even the gradual path still is a spontaneous realization. So what is the gradual before the spontaneous? Well, the gradual before the spontaneous is is you you have some kind of sense or some kind of inspiration or some kind of a, well, sometimes called bodhicitta or some kind of inspiration to practice this. Like all of you can remember the when you first heard about meditating, you first heard about Buddhism, you first came to the monastery. Something about this that this is something that's really important. This is something I need to do. And you know you can't you couldn't explain that to your brother or mother. Or can't explain that. It's something that goes kind of beyond that. So, and, and so that's a, that's a gradual part of it. That happens. And then during that, or before it, or after it, or whenever, there's no way to know. Sometimes we get really intense insights that, that come and show up. And sometimes the ego mind wants to latch onto that and say, yes, I'm, now I got it. I, all I have to do is just hang on to this understanding. Because now I know. I understand now. And that's uh, it's just a high level of... Uh, of relative truth is just highly polished, but it can't last. It would be if, if it happened and you had the understanding where you weren't going to do anything with it, you're just going to let it lay there, it'd probably hang around a lot longer. My feeling of uh, there being uh, uh, that I had years ago uh, that arose on a, on a retreat that I was in, where uh, the only way I could put it into words is nothing sleeps. That hung around for quite a long time, weeks, but it wasn't any. There's no, I didn't tell anybody about it. I mean, what am I, what am I going to say? I say anything about it. So, then it kind of eventually you forget about it, but then if you think about it, you think, yeah, it still seems that way. But it wasn't, it's not, a, it's not something you can, you can lean on or get it as a credential. But then the flashes could, you could get more flashes or you could get, or things could just slowly wear out so you just realize that you don't, you don't really, you don't go anywhere else anymore. You might not even notice it for right away. You, you might just notice that you don't, you don't, you know, you don't go anywhere else but right where you're at all the time. 
and it looks might look pretty ordinary to people around you. I'm. It almost sounds like you can't gradually see Buddha nature. Can you gradually see Buddha nature? So what is the gradual, in ref? What is gradually happening? So <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It, it would be, if I use a strong metaphor, it would be like a door slowly opening. It would be like something slowly, more and more and more light, or less and less aggression arising. And, you know, le- I mean, you're not doing anything about it. You're just, you're doing the best you can to be aware. You're practicing. You're looking at the Buddha's Dharma. You're looking at the concepts. Do good. Don't do harm. Uh, be with all things. Save all beings. Put others before yourself. Uh, that kind of uh, absolute or relative bodhicitta of, of generally just trying to uh, help people. And then the absolute bodhicitta of, uh, like it says in Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, uh, be a child of illusion. Just uh, don't, don't, don't abandon anything. Just it's always this right here, right now. And so that, there's a, there's a, a, a There's a momentary quality quality to it, and there's also something that shows up that kind of contradicts that and said it's always been this way. It's, it's always just you just you just see that you've filled up your you filled up your Buddha nature or your awakened mind or your realization or your understanding. To, you don't even use that fancy term. Just your understanding of what this is. Went, from the time you were born, you've been filling it up with things, loading it and pushing it, and pulling it and fighting with it, and then. Uh, just don't do that anymore. So you could say, if we wanted to make a strong description of it, you could say you're always here. There there isn't anything but this moment. Past and future are there, but they're very... um, They don't have much uh, weight or something. With our practice, I'm just wondering about how to approach practice uh, with more of a emphasis on texture as opposed to progress, mm-hmm. or texture as opposed to the evaluation over time. So because the self-centeredness is so congealed into somebody who can win or lose, a success or failure, that starts to just, if you just look at it and do nothing with it, it, it just can't live, it can't live in that, with that kind of scrutiny. Uh, Buddha nature is like a brilliant light, but, it, but that light fades if there's any kind of movement to go this way or go that way based on some kind of orientation that has a center, like an ego. Nothing, nothing is separate from anything else. So the fundamental nature is you're here and neither you have a physical form, you have eyes, you're looking out, you look at everywhere you look, all you see is this. And it's ordinary. And so what are you going to do? Have a beer. Or maybe not. I mean, I don't mean to be flippant about it, but I'm saying you're, ju- you're just here. But then you notice that people will struggle with this, with the situation they're in. So then you, you move to help them so they don't have to do that so that they can move away from that warfare. The whole world is, all you have to do is look around. It's just intense chaos and warfare and pushing and pulling. 
to step into that and participate and work with that on their terms, on the terms of the world, the relative terms of these people are bad, even though they are maybe confused in a different way. Um, it's better to train your mind to see clearly who you are and what this is yourself. More, more questions about that? Don't hesitate. When please. I look at my practice, even yeah. though I've been, only been practicing a few years, it's very easy for me to emphasize the changes that have occurred that have made my life perhaps in some ways at least more tolerable. Sure. And I'm wondering about, I can't help it, but to think, oh, meditation's helpful or it's, it's changed or it's working. And it seems like that can be, could be a bit of a sidetrack if I were to continue with that. I'm wondering about how to just come back, right back to the texture of, of right now in my practice right now. So this is what retreats are for, is to kind of give us a heavy dose of just this. And then we go out and we work in our everyday situation. Then we it kind of builds up and then we see we really need to go and look at this really closely again for a period of time. Everyone's a little different. And then you have the Sangha, relating to the Sangha every single day. These are other people who are also prioritized. Their, their life is about seeing the truth, seeing the truth, the, the Buddha's Dharma, seeing awakened truth. And that's their motivation for being here. And I'm not, I'm not saying taking anything away from someone practicing and after a, a year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, saying this is much better than what I was doing. I certainly had an intense contrast just in the first year. It was just intense. I mean, I, I just... I realized I was going to have to kill myself. It was quite a relief to meet Rinpoche and, and have him relate to me the way he can even put into words what that was like. Very difficult, other than meeting someone who wasn't anywhere else. And even though they had a great credential, a, Buddhist, a, a tulku, an incarnation of a... Of a the 11th Trump Patulku, which was pretty impressive and so on. But he didn't use that at all. He just sat there and looked at you. Presence. Can you develop that kind of presence? You can stop obstructing it. <laughs> Everyone is present. Everywhere, you know, this, I've said this before, and other teachers have said, but everywhere, everywhere you look, you see the Buddha. If you understand this, and. You don't have a, some kind of special dispensation to be a great person, but you just you could be. You could be a well-known. You could be a nobody. You could be, you know, it could be a very simple, ordinary situation. You might not be a teacher at all, but there's nothing, uh, nothing special about it. So, and that's why the ego mind is not so interested. Wants some kind of special highlights. People who claim they're awake or talk about it, you know what I mean, talk about it in that way. It's, a, it's not that there isn't something happening there. It probably is, or they wouldn't be talking about it. But um, it's, a, still confused. Is there a way we can begin to stop? interfering with the natural presence is to through awareness to see the way we keep having that extra thought and so it's the awareness of the thought it's not about stopping the thought it's not about succeeding and not having any more thoughts it's being really if there's awareness of that then that's it's it's all about the tension 
of passion and aggression and shutting down. So the thoughts are fine. It's just the thoughts are extremely powerful in magnetizing us into something else, into this idea that it should be, it shouldn't be, we're going this way, that shouldn't happen, they shouldn't say that, why are they looking at me that way? And the, uh, very subtle kinds of things all the time. And uh, to take it, what happens, it's not a happening, it's just that you stop believing those. You still have them, you still have the feeling, you still have the, you might even have some fear, you might have the trepid, you might have the discomfort sitting in a room full of, maybe sitting in a waiting room at your doctor's office looking across the room feeling kind of self-conscious sitting there. It doesn't matter. There's nothing to change. You don't have to get rid of anything. But it's the awareness that's, that sees that and, and, and sees that, sees that it's also not separate from the confusion it's looking at. Much different than being a person who is confused, who needs to stop being confused. So there's no person there. There's no, so therefore, the, this is the part that's the, you could say, magical part of it, is the perceiver is the same thing as what's being perceived. That's threatening to ego. Ego does not want to look at something and, and have its identity collapse into the whole thing. It's like death to the ego. A question again from Junshu. Yes. She asks, how is trying to stop obstructing our own natural presence and obstruction itself? I think it's just a, simply put, it's a passion, aggression, and ignorance, the pulling, the pushing, and the shutting down. So it's just that kind of cartwheel motion of things going on and going on. It can get better. So it just magnetizes us because we do something and we say things are getting better. This is working. Um, and then because of the causes and conditions that are untraceable, uh, things start to change in another way. And then we impute or think that we've done something wrong or we haven't done this over thing over here enough because it worked for a while. This is why the why questions are so... <laughs> they're not wrong. It's just that they're... Um, all they do, the why question with its answer of because, because of this, because of that, gives us the feeling of progress, this feeling of getting somewhere. It actually it reifies, validates, and solidifies this, this world, this three-dimensional world of uh, time and space and everything that we're in and our, and our form and we're here and we're somebody. And in our situation, we're all four of us traveling in a car going to New York. Uh, and we're... Um, I don't even know what's going to happen there. I don't know what's happening now. It's not a, it's not a credential. I'm not kind of getting a I mean, I'm this great person who doesn't know what's happening. Or somebody, you know, there, there really isn't. It's very, very simple. So just don't obstruct it. Have, be, as I think I said a few days ago, have the feelings. Don't, don't get rid of your, your, your depression, your anger, your, your, your anxiety, your angst. Don't do anything with it. If you're not going to be able to, to say it in a more relative way, you're probably not going to help other people very much if you're fighting with your own negativity. So make friends with this. Make friends with whatever this body, speech, mind is that looks like somebody, that looks like you. So no, when that's said, it's just, just stop going to war. Don't believe your thoughts. Don't disbelieve your thoughts. 
Don't shut down on them. Such a cheerful talk. <laughs> I miss all my homies out in front of me. <laughs> Of course, these guys are pretty good. They'll be, they'll be yes, go get them. You said you may never teach. So how does one on this path, the Bodhisattva path, fulfill the vow to save all beings? Just meet everyone where they're at. That may involve teaching. It may not. You may not actually be officially be a teacher. You may not even want to do that. You may want to. You may, uh, in our situation, since you're sewing a robe to be a monk then probably you're probably going to end up doing that on some level. It may be functioning uh, as a uh, facilitating a book study. You may never, I mean, if you're going to do this, you're definitely going to do some teaching because I'm going to make sure you do some teaching. But you may not really want to keep doing that. You might, you might think, I'm a terrible teacher. I can't be doing this. I can't even know what the Buddha talked about. <laughs> That's why you need to do it. I don't need teachers who know stuff. My, my feeling here is with this small group of people that I have that are students of mine, uh, I, want, I want to help these people become teachers so that, they can, so that they can teach people directly out of their realization and not out of uh, a bunch of stories. probably going to teach. You might not teach in a conventional sense. But if you're living in a monastery, then we're always functioning in some way as a uh, working with someone else, someone with difficulty. We're working to support their practice as Sangha. So that's a, te that's a form of teaching also. Very different. I'm sure you know you lived uh, in the monastery for six months or whatever length of time you're working with people. It might be difficult. Of course it's difficult. Anytime you're dealing with the, you know, what do they say? Herding cats, you know. And a monster is like it's like herding uh, goats. It's even worse. <laughs> goats are very stubborn, and uh, elevation is of no consequence. <laughs> so, um, but what you do is you you do that. But then, by contrast, you go out into the world and relate to your neighbors, your other people who have no mind training at all, and you see how incredibly crazy people are. Even the people who present as being pretty have their Everybody have their stuff together and everything seemed pretty. Still, there's a, a level of of assumption that's going on there about that you can see that they there's not much space in what they say. They're very clear uh, in the sense of the concepts. They're able to tell you this or this or this and what they believe, what they don't believe. Um, they probably aren't going to be very good listeners because they're so full of themselves. But maybe not difficult to be around. Uh, but then you come back to the monastery, it might be difficult, but the kind of community you have there, are pe these people are trying to understand their minds and how this situation, what this is really about. We have so, only have so much time to be alive. So, yes. Um, Toji, who's staying at the monastery, has yes. uh, two questions. He asks... What role does compassion play in the process of making friends with ourselves? And secondly, how do we find that compassion? So, simply put, you've heard me say this before, Toji, but just give yourself a break. You know, the, the negativity that arises as emotion instead of just, it's like, 
have to depersonalize it a little bit. It's like just really bad bad weather. Nobody wants to be in a, in a hailstorm, you know, with no steel helmet. You know, it hurts or it's painful or it's difficult. But but don't take it somewhere else as if that shouldn't be happening. Take it personal. It must be because I deserve this or I'm a bad person. We tend to we tend to have a second thought, third thought, fourth thought, a whole litany of things about that situation. So, but it's very difficult. It seems like the the way in which we can begin to receive that kind of a feeling is through the sitting practice of meditation where we sit down and we just receive whatever emotions are coming. So that's how we do it. And so when there's compassion, when there's a, when there's a deep um, consideration, would be a good word, for our, for our difficulty, for our, our craziness or our or spinning, or any other word you want to use to talk about how you might feel yourself, or anyone might feel. And there's some consideration about it. That's the, that's where we start. If, if you haven't made friends here, or give this uh, person a break, it's going to be hard to extend that to others without it seeming kind of, you know, like trying to be a compassionate person. Uh, you shouldn't try to be. I mean, there's other ways of teaching it where you where we deliberately do Tong Lan and so on, which I don't particularly promote. Uh, Maitri Bhavana is probably the closest we come to that. And I just think that each person should do it uh, themselves. We need to sit down, just like you do, Toji. You sit down, look at the wall. You spend many hours doing that yourself. And so, but then you have your own particular, um, whatever, chemistry, your own karma, uh, the way your emotions come and go, and the kind of difficulties you have or someone else has. You have your own uh, set of uh, circumstances or... Uh, however you want to say, characteristics to deal with. But those are your Dharma gates. Someone else next to you, right next to you, might ha- not have, have any idea what that's even about. They, would, they just wouldn't understand why that, whereas their issues or their problems might show up in some area where you wouldn't understand that. So the way we do it is we're persistent, we see it, and we don't, we don't let anything, as sometimes said, get the best of us. We don't, if a difficult emotion is really difficult or, or some, some kind of aspect of our mind starts presenting, starts presenting itself as, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. This is, I can't do this. You know, this is a, this is a way we build up into some kind of a, we start to armor ourselves with those concepts. Don't do that kind of lecturing. Go right into it and say, wipe me out. I mean, you could, if you're going to say something to yourself, then just say, as it says, the Tibetan tradition, there's a saying there that I, um, several, well, thank you very much, I have no complaints whatsoever. We're lying through our teeth, but we need to do, we may need to do that. Uh, and the other one may be, uh, if it's better for me to be sick, let me be sick. It's better, better for me to, you know, it's, we're not talking to some kind of transcendental being. We're trying to understand the nature. If it's better for it to rain, let it rain. If it's better for... If thunder needs to happen, let let there be thunder. So it's like as a uh, teacher teacher back in the middle of the last century, Barry Stevens, in a book on meditation called uh, um, uh, "Watching the Water Flow" or something like that, or uh, the old uh, Taoist uh, situation is look which way the water is flowing, and then say go that way. <laughs> Tell the water what to do. So it's you know, you know, you know, you know. I think persistent 
persistently sitting down, holding still, watching what moves, getting up and, and sitting down with other people who are Sangha, other people who are trying to work with this, and their their own version of what you're talk, asking about. Everyone has their own version of this. And then and that we have you have a community of uh, people on the path who are not interested in right and wrong, not interested in you're correct, you're not correct, they're correct, they're, you're not interested in that, interested in finding out how can we all help each other on this path, support ourselves with an environment, with a structure, and with a teaching, a teaching and learning situation that fundamentally helps us focus on what is this? What is this about? What is it fundamentally? Not separate. That needs to be realized. And you can do that. If you're listening to me say this, what is there? A couple dozen people are listening to me. You know, maybe more join on YouTube. That's not exactly the same thing. People look and they're on a spiritual supermarket. They're listening to me, then they listen to Muji, and then Adyashanti, and then Dalai Lama, and then trying to find, they get a little bit. And these are the people who say, well, everyone's my teacher. I have all kinds of teachers. Well, um, quite a nice circle was going on there because it seems to be necessary to um, stop looking around. Don't look around. What you need is in front of you. Another question from Sokaran. Uh, she says, we've discussed how the mind obstructs fundamental presence. How does the mind support our practice? Uh, Buddha nature is, is nothing but that support. So the, 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 everything that's doing everything is Buddha nature. It's just got lots of ruffles on it. There's lots of wrinkles. and So we put things on it, but... This is Buddha nature. This is Buddha nature. This is Buddha nature. This movement through space of my hand is Buddha nature. And it was this, uh, uh, every time Rumi raises his hand up like this, is Buddha nature. I'm just using him as an example. It's just, it's, with him, it's obvious. Look at him. Not just him, but look at any child. There's something really powerful about the, the sense of uh, presence and innocence that's there at the same time. It's like a, a kind of confidence that you can't you can't track. So the strength is already there. Just don't obstruct it. And when I say don't obstruct it, you have to watch the way you obstruct it so that through that observing, through that awareness, that obstruction starts to crack and fall away. Impermanent. Wears out. Uh, when the clouds part, is the title of this book by Brunholz. Um, Kozan up in Traverse City. Yes. Uh, she asks, uh, she's uh, been an, unable to watch until about 10 minutes ago because of construction. But you missed the best part. House, but she does have a question. Um, what's the difference between receiving and accepting, especially as it regards making friends with ourselves? Now, accepting is actually not accepting. Accepting is getting is drawing a little tiny chit or a little tiny credential of, oh, I'll just accept this. But I'm just going to accept this. It's uh, very sneaky to accept anything. Don't accept anything. Don't reject anything. Receiving means that it's headed for you. If it's a if it's an atomic bomb, hold still. Being silly, but I'm saying if it, whatever it is, receive it. And if somebody. Um, throws a rock at you, probably should duck. I'm not saying be ridiculous about it. 
Um, but just just stay in stay in the world, the immediacy of your world. And whatever's happening is uh, don't add, no add, no second thought, no no thought number two. Or this shouldn't be happening, or now I'm getting it, or I'll just I'll just I'm just going to accept this. Uh, I don't think I've if I have said that. It's been many years ago. I just don't tell anybody accept anything. Don't have to accept. Accepting is I'm just going to accept this. And so receiving is, uh, you don't have no say-so about it. You know, the receiving is just stop obstructing it, stop refusing it. So that's like looking at the clouds. You don't have to accept clouds. Clouds don't give a shit. Clouds are clouds. The clouds are just there. So you, if you're looking at them, you're just receiving them. There's no big celebration. There's no credential. You're, you're, and you could say, that at some point, everything you look at, you see you're not really separate from it. There isn't anything to, to receive. There isn't anything to, to give. There isn't any, anything. There isn't any movement. Uh, Bosker from Houston uh, doesn't have a question this evening, but he wants to let you know how much he gets out of your talks and the Q&As. Thank you. So... Thank you, Bosker, and it's very important uh, to me and to our Sangha to have you join us. So, so we really appreciate it. Your your particular chemistry, your understanding, and your uh, life path and everything. Uh, everyone coming together. It's quite an interesting uh, group of people we have together, and it's really. I don't know of any place where we're in a mon any place in a monastery where people are studying. Uh, sometimes a couple times a day, plus all the sitting practice we do, and then inviting people to come in. It's very unusual, without charging fees and trying to turn it into some kind of a business. So it's very good to have you participate. And we hope you'll come and visit us again so we can pick your brain. <laughs> so we can translate some of these Sanskrit words for us. Further questions? Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you, uh, Sogazan, for your teachings. Certainly. And we continue to appreciate and depend on your, your uh, financial support and donations. So please go to our website and help us as you can. Good evening.